and welcome to Two Goals. I'm Katya. And I'm Maria Laura. And keeping up with our Leadership Women Football Series, we are thrilled to announce the intervention of Brittany Group in today's podcast. Originally from the United States, but currently living in Sevilla, Spain, Brittany has specialized herself in business development, partnerships and communications for companies such as Atlas Corps and Demosphere. Nowadays, she is working in her own awarded social enterprise, Footballistas, where she teaches girls life skills through football and mentorship. Brittany, welcome to Two Goals. Thank you so much for inviting me. So Brittany, thank you for being here. And starting, we have to call your roots. <laughs> and football uh, is a sport culturally connected to female athletes in the USA, actually, soccer was the word used for the sport at a young age for sure so as an american girl back then what was your connection with football how did it stick with you yeah so originally um honestly i wanted to be just like my next door neighbor jennifer <laughs> she was about five years older than me um, and she played and i would always see her practicing in the little side yard in between our houses and i always wanted to go out and hang out with her and play with her. Um, and because of her, I signed up the second I could, I think it was like right before I turned five, um, you know, got on a team and, and started playing. As you mentioned, there's a lot of opportunities for girls to get involved in football in the U.S. or soccer in the U.S. Um, and so, yeah, it was quite easy to get signed up. Um, and it was really easy to stick with it too, because as you also mentioned, it's, it's very normal for girls to play um, and it's encouraged. Um, and also I had some incredible role models who I could watch playing both in the neighborhood and on TV through the U.S. Women's National Team. So, I mean, especially now that I've traveled and, and lived in other countries, I really realized how blessed I was to have so much exposure to women in football at such a young age that you know, it's, it's really something I took for granted because I didn't know until much later in life that that wasn't the case in other places. You went uh, after your, the childhood that you're describing, you went to study arts and communication at Virginia Tech University. Was this also related or did you have in mind back then that there was a connection between your, your professional career that you intended to, to start growing and sports and also because you did an internship on sports department on a TV channel. So maybe was this this big dream that you were building, connecting sports, football or soccer and communications from your side? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. So um, I, again, started playing at five and then right when I could join the competitive groups, which I think was around probably nine or 10, um, I was all the time playing soccer at very high level levels in the U.S., traveling every weekend, like my social life was the, the soccer field, you know, <laughs> um, and eventually I, I just got a little bit burnt out. Like we were practicing so often every weekend was some showcase tournament in some place in the country. And um, I made the decision at 17 to stop playing competitively. Um, I have since always been playing in some rec form. Um, I love the game. I'll never Well, I guess when my body tells me I'm too old, I'll step away. But <laughs> until that moment, I will keep playing because it brings me so much joy. Um, but I did have a really interesting crossroad um, because making that decision at 17 meant that I wasn't going to play in college, which my whole life growing up, I just kind of assumed I was, um, you know, I had the skill level too, and I had the passion to continue with it. Um, and then once that passion kind of faded away in terms of the competitive part of things, I was like, oh well, what am I going to do? Like what, you know, what career path should I go after? Um, and so I, I definitely, I mean, this is one of the reasons I think podcasts like this are so important. I mean, two goals is providing something that we all definitely needed back then and really still need nowadays, which is to, to give visibility to other ways for us to stay involved in the game when we're no longer a player. Um, you know, I think coaching, refing are kind of more obvious opportunities that we know a little bit more about, um, but there's so many things that people can do professionally to be involved in, in football and stay involved in football. Um, back then at 18, when I went to university, um, my 
I think really only idea that I had of, of how to stay involved was sports broadcasting. Um, and I've been um, a soccer player my whole life. I also played basketball pretty competitively, but I'm just a sports lover in general. Like my childhood is like watching games with my dad. And <laughs> um, so it, it seemed like, you know, kind of the perfect combination of the writing and, and the, the people skills that I knew I, I would enjoy using in a role and also the passion for soccer and sport in general. Um, and it was an incredible experience. I, I really enjoyed my internship. Um, it was at a local station down in Roanoke, Virginia, about 45 minutes away from Virginia Tech. Um, and I interned in the sports department there um, under three guys, um, actually one of whom is now on NBA TV, Chris Miles. He's my mentor and now one of my best friends. Um, he's about to have a second kid. She was due yesterday. Hopefully she'll be here soon. I'll be her godmother. Um, so just a lifelong connection that I made with him there, really learned um, from them about that sector, um, but also learned that I didn't really think it was quite for me. <laughs> so I, I loved the internship and it was great, but, um, you know, not having had much education in terms of what that career path would look like, not having had a ton of exposure to people and, and their stories in terms of sports broadcasting, um, it was news to me that, you know, it's typically you start by signing two to three year contracts and you kind of work your way around different um, cities and you start with lower populations, obviously, when you're more in uh, entry level, smaller towns, and then you kind of work your way up and move around a lot. Um, and it sounds funny now that I'm based in Spain on the other side of the world. But to me, I was I was hesitant, uh, knowing that it could be, you know, 10 years minimum till I'd be back in the D.C. area again. Um, and so ultimately, I pivoted away from that, stuck with business development, marketing, a lot of the communications work that, you know, uh, is also involved in broadcasting. But um, yeah, decided, you know, to step away for a little bit. But um, I was connecting, obviously, very close with Chris, but also connecting with one of my other mentors from that TV station when I launched Fupalisas two years ago. And his reply was like, I am not at all surprised that you found a way to bring sports back into your career. Fantastic. And it's so interesting that you said it was something that you wanted, but actually you recognized probably it would not be the your future. And this is so important for us to understand. It's not a failure. Sometimes that it's, uh, mentally we can think it's a failure. We, we always wanted this. And actually we kind of enter in the York as it was an internship and we reckon that it is not for us. And actually for me, this is the right pathway, right? We need to, to try it, to understand it. And uh, absolutely. Yeah. And we will talk about later the, the fact that you brought back sports to your life. But actually you said something also in the beginning that social life was on the soccer field. Your social life was on the soccer field. But your professional pathway is really interesting uh, because you worked for more than five years at Atlas Corps, an international network of non-profit leaders and organizations that promotes innovation, cooperation and solutions to address the world's 21st century challenges through an overseas fellowship. And during your time there, you performed as a partnerships manager and partnerships director. And I mentioned the company's description because when we talk about it, it may seem a totally different industry other than football, of course, but amongst other sectors, we know you worked with sports there. So can you tell us a bit about the experience and how this experience shaped you as a professional? Yeah. And, and I will start by saying, as I try to, anytime I'm, I'm invited to speak anywhere, um, that I think in general, as you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your career, it's as important to know what you don't want to do as it is to know what you do want to do. Um, and so even prior to Atlas Core, I had a couple of jobs that definitely were not for me, but that paved my path to eventually get where I am now, right? Um, Atlas Core is an incredible organization. Um, obviously, I stayed there for five years, um, just had the biggest impact on me that anything has in my life, for sure. And 
I think, um, you know, I, I came in with the sales and partnerships background, which was um, the work I was doing at Atlas Core. It sounds a little funny because Atlas Core is a nonprofit, but we did have a very sustainable model. So um, we bring, or I say, still say we, Atlas Core brings international change makers to spend 12 to 18 months in the U.S. at mission-driven organizations. Um, and my role was to identify those organizations in the U.S. and encourage them to take one of our fellows on and they paid to have one of our fellows on their team. Um, and Atlas Core and its fellows just completely opened my eyes to the social sector. Um, I had never worked in the nonprofit world. I had never, I didn't even know that social enterprises and social entrepreneurship were, were things. Um, so I had the opportunity to learn from, I mean, Atlas Core has got to be up to probably 800, 850 fellows now from over 95 countries. Um, and so I had the opportunity to learn from these incredible mid-career professionals affecting change in their communities in many different different ways. There were certainly some who were using sport for social change, um, but there were others who were, you know, in the global health sector or um, working to fight for equal education, LGBTQ rights, women's rights. I mean, it, it just opened my eyes to, um, and what Atlas Core's really premise is, is that, you know, we're all trying to, to fight against some of these same issues globally. And the best way to overcome those issues is to exchange ideas and perspectives. We'll get there a lot faster if we work together, right? And so, yeah, I um, about, I guess, three years into my time with Atlas Core, um, just was kind of sitting in the fact that I was really frustrated that my experience growing up, I had so much opportunity to play football, um, but that in Sevilla, where I was based, there were very few opportunities for girls. And I, I can honestly say with no doubt in my mind, I never would have tried to change that. I never would have thought to create an organization to try to address that if I hadn't have learned from the Atlas Core Fellows and all of the amazing, amazing progress they've made, certainly but projects um, that they started in their home countries to adjust whatever topic they were passionate about. Um, so truly an incredible organization. Um, I'm actually visiting family in the States right now. And part of my family is my Atlas Core family. So I'm, I'm seeing them this evening, actually. So really excited for that. Well, definitely we will have to send this to the Atlas Corp uh, people. I yeah. mean, the, the way they, they were, they shape you as a professional in a very positive way. I think, let me say this first, that there are many people out there who are not very lucky with their professional experiences. Maybe they have, uh, excuse my language, but maybe like not kind of crappy, uh, crappy bosses and, and awful environments uh, where they develop. But in your case, this is good because at the end of the day, they kind of like, they put a seed on you. Like they kind of like uh, cultivate this passion for social entrepreneurship. And this is how you ended up founding your own program, own project called Futbolistas, that you already mentioned how this started in Sevilla, uh, where you combine football practice with English instruction and interaction with professional female mentors. Can you please pitch, pitch on your own words, what is this all about and what kind of uh, value proposal do you have with Futbolistas? Yeah, so our general mission statement is that we teach English and life skills to girls through football and mentorship. Um, but to break that down a little bit further, um, you know, the big goals of the organization, we kind of have two, well, maybe three, two, we'll say two main objectives. Um, the first one is, is to create a space that is specifically for girls. Um, so not we have boys teams and we have girls teams, not we have co-ed teams. No, this is a program for girls. We wouldn't exist if it wasn't, you know, amazing to have girls involved. Every girl should be involved. <laughs> um, I think it's also important. This is why I almost said a third one, but I think you can group it into that space. I think it's also important that that space is created predominantly by women. Um, so, so far, um, we've had all of our coaches be women. I'm definitely not opposed to having men involved as well. I would love to have more male allies involved. In fact, we're already working towards that this summer um, with a, a few key um, folks who've joined our, our team and support us now. Um, but I think it's really important also that the girls 
have females coaching them and, and showing them, you know, how to play football and, and kind of walking them through this experience, because it's just another way to reiterate that they belong on the soccer field, on the football field. I, I interchange so much with those two terms. Um, and then the second goal that we have um, that I think is uh, more of kind of a, a cultural way of looking at things um, in sports in general. It's it's less, I think, gender related and more in, in general, just kind of um, how Spain views sports, um, especially football, which is we want to show that football is so much more than just a sport, right? These girls are doing doing so much more than just getting physical exercise in, which is hugely important um, and learning soccer skills. They're, they're also learning teamwork, perseverance, communication, responsibility, leadership. Um, you know, the goal is really to focus on those things, not on competition, scoring goals. Um, and by doing so, not only do we have a more inclusive environment that girls with all levels of football can come and participate, um, but we're also creating like a supportive community that's welcoming, even on, you know, people's off days. Um, I know we were talking uh, just before we started recording about how, you know, we all have our off days and whatnot. And what we want is for footballistas to be an environment that, you know, helps support girls even on those days. Um, and so by blending our, our female mentors into the program, I think it kind of extends the idea of it's more than sports, right? It's, again, leadership, teamwork, communication. We have women um, from different professional fields. Uh, they're local women. So this part we do in, in Spanish, um, but they come and talk about their career as an engineer, as an author, or as a sports reporter, as a, you know, whatever it may be. And they connect those dots. They connect the fact that, you know, they're working together as a team on the field. Well, guess what? They've got to work together as a team to produce the sports radio show that they do every day. Um, so, you know, it's another way to, to show the girls, the families and the community at large that, we should want all of our girls participating in sport in general, but certainly in football, that's the world's most popular sport, Spain's most popular sport. We should encourage that um, because it's shaping them to be leaders in whatever field they want to go on to work in, whether it's a professional footballer or something completely unrelated. Um, their football experience is going to allow them to get much further in life um, if they stay with it and start early. Yeah, first, Fantastic project, <laughs> I have to say, or we have to say that. And we will talk more about it later. But actually what you said, I was thinking here for myself, that I think we already mentioned this in the podcast with other guests. That is, nowadays, even the players, the adult players right now, they don't recognize that they are much more than footballers when they are playing. They are leaders They and what they can be after football they don't think about uh, what, what they can be. And actually, I think this is a, a product or a consequence of what we didn't have when we were young. So we were not educated to think about this way. I'm sorry to the rest of the world, but at least in Portugal, this was not the thing. So for us, uh, the, the girls, they could not play. And in a lot of places around the world, is like that. And we are still empowering women. We are we are, we we see a lot in a lot of uh, uh, places leadership courses. I mean, we were born with leadership. We only had the cultural and social barriers that the, it was were imposed to us, and we didn't see the what we could be. I, this is the way that I think. And your project, alongside with football, you're you're teaching this to the girls, and when they they will grow up. And they will be with this attached to their heads. So when they reach the maximum potential in the football field or outside of it, it doesn't matter what they, they, they decide to, to be in the future, they will be already with this included in their ship, let's say, in their <laughs> microchip in their heads. Uh, <laughs> I will use this, in the, but it is in humans. I think this is so, so important. It was something that I was connecting. I don't know if, if it makes sense or not, but it was really, really interesting to think about. And we need a lot of projects like yours. You're based in Spain, so at least Spain is well. <laughs> we, we already know you delivered the, the, the job. Uh, but actually, Footballistas is a, an entrepreneurial project, and there's always something connecting entrepreneurship. And when someone starts an entrepreneurial adventure, 
usually it's a sign they want to innovate with something or create something that it was missing, being disruptive in a way. In your case, in your project, what do you think or reckon it was lacking in Spain regarding the girls who are now part of your program? What was the so-called click that made you start something? Yeah, um, so I think there's kind of three what I think our community needs that, that we aim to address in Spain. Um, so the first one is just obviously the availability of, of teams for girls to, to join. There's, there's a fundamental difference between a girl being one girl on a team full of boys compared to one girl on a team full of girls. I mean, it, it is just different. Um, it's, a, it's a different, we learn different. There's all sorts of science around um, how we play sports different, how we process um, sports strategy different. So it's fundamentally a different experience for a girl to be part of an all girls team. Um, not to say co-ed doesn't work. I've played co-ed many, for many years throughout my life, both younger and older. Um, but again, addressing the need that there really were, were very limited all girls squads and especially on the recreational side. Um, so Spain, certainly in, in the five years I've lived in Sevilla, um, but if you go back to, to when I studied in, in Malaga in 2010, it's come a really long way in terms of, of having more opportunities for girls to get involved in the competitive space. Um, so uh, the first thing that we're trying to address is, is that recreational opportunity to be inclusive of girls of all skill levels, um, but also families of all economic status. I mean, competitive ball can get expensive. And so one of the things that we try to do at Futbolistas in general is keep prices low for everyone. Um, but we also have really ambitious goals. COVID has put um, a little bit of a delay on things, but we have really ambitious goals about bringing our, our programs to the more uh, marginalized neighborhoods and offering the programming for free so that we can make sure we're including every girl who wants to participate in the city. Um, the second thing that I uh, think we help to address or, or work towards is community buy-in for girls football. Um, so I was mentioning earlier how a lot of um, parents in Spain that I've interacted with um, as I was kind of doing market studies about, you know, whether footballistas might actually be able to be successful, um, is there, there's a belief that football is this competitive, aggressive game and it's got to be played that way if you want to be a professional footballer and you know we could debate about that all day I think there's there's different viewpoints on on that competitive how you need to be trained to to be professional eventually but um, we're working on community buy-in for not competitive and not you know uh, football that's not aimed at, at creating professional players so we're looking to create that community buy-in and we're looking to try to get families excited about all of the life skills that, you know, girls are going to learn playing with us, the self-confidence that's naturally going to increase as they, you know, are out there supporting others, being supported by others, learning new skills. Um, so that community buy-in is definitely um, the biggest key, I think, to overcoming the disparity that you still see it, it between girls and boys or even men's and women's opportunities um, in the football scene in Spain. Um, and then the third thing that, that I notice is lacking, and this is both on and off the field, hence our mentorship aspect, are role models or referentes as they call them in Spain. Um, there's not a lot of female role models. Um, the media is still not giving uh, nearly enough attention to the professional women's game. Again, a lot has changed in the, the five-year window I've been in Sevilla, the 10-year window that I've been familiar with the football scene in Spain. Um, but we're still very far behind in terms of, you know, giving girls access to go to games, to watch games on TV, um, the media interviewing and actually spending the time telling stories about women and, and not just, oh, she's a mom and she plays football. Yes, that's amazing. That's super important. But that's not the only story, right? There's a lot more we can do, just like we do for men, about how strong she is, how brave she is, how much of a leader she is. So I think there's a lot um, to, to be done in that realm as well. And, and community buy-in and, and realizing that more girls should be out there will naturally lead to more demand of those types of stories. Um, so I think those are, are the big three buckets, I'd say, that we address. But 
I mean, I could go on and on for days. That's the beauty of social entrepreneurship is like, you're never really done working to affect change and fight for equality. So I'm sure it will morph over time and focus more or less on, on those three areas, perhaps add some additional ones, but at least for where we are now, which is still very early stage, those are definitely the three kind of main things that we're hoping to address. Let me bring back the, the mission that Atlas Corps has, has, which is working towards 21st century challenges. And in a way, you're preparing these girls to be those reference among these challenges. This, we, we need to stop saying future challenges, but because they are already here. And because yeah. of COVID, I think they're like completely part of our discussions uh, every day, I think. How, how do you see your... I mean, your, your men, mentees uh, in the future, what kind of words would you like to be those that describe them as leaders and future reference working towards tackling these challenges in the future? Yeah, it's funny because a lot of people are, you know, when they learn about football leases, they ask me like how many girls we have that like might go pro and wouldn't that be just the greatest thing to have someone on the national team? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, that would be amazing to have, you know, future futbolistas on the, the Spain national team. Um, I, I definitely hope we get there, but then I always bring it back to, but that's not our goal, right? There's a lot of other clubs um, that, that are better positioned to train girls for, for that type of, of professional career. Um, I would be more happy <laughs> um, what my like ideal scenario and, and things coming full circle would be is, is more that that, you know, in 15 years, we have one of our little ones who um, tells about how she became an engineer because she was inspired by Amaya Davis, who's our uh, one of our mentors, who's an engineer, works for NASA and Lockheed Martin. Um, and I would love for her to, to say, you know, that exposure helped her think about that career and the skills that she learned on the soccer field. So, you know, that leadership, teamwork, communication, all of these life skills. Um, I would love for, uh, future footballistas to talk about their off the field careers that way and relate it back to their experience with footballistas, whether it's exposure to a new career path through our, our mentors or um, just gaining the self-confidence and, and those other life skills to go out and try something and, and go after their goals. That to me would actually carry a lot more weight. Um, and I think would speak more to, to the exact type of impact that I hope that the Footballistas program has on our girls. Fantastic. Actually, the, the next question would be more or less like this, uh, <laughs> because you already, you already answered. But connecting these dots and um, the actual times that we are living in, I, I, would, I was about to say pandemic, but we always use the, the, the word pandemic nowadays. <laughs> we are, this, it's already enough for us. But yeah, you, you, you explained to, to us and to our audience what this footballista is all about. You want to inspire, to educate the girls and prepare, prepare the next generations. Uh, and actually you already talked about a bit what you, want to, these girls to be one day but regarding the project itself regarding actually what you built as an entrepreneur you had the goals you settled in the beginning so what is your nearest goal to achieve right now and if what you started the project if a lot changed if only some pieces change it or do you think you are you follow the, the the project the way you settled it until now yes great question um so i'm trying to think about how i can uh, answer this in a concise way because it's a, a bit of a loaded question especially with the the global pandemic that i agree we're all all tired of talking about but it, it's an important thing to bring up um i will say that i don't think the goals short term or long term for footballistas have changed too much Um, but certainly the path to achieving them has. So we actually haven't been active out on the field since March of last year when the pandemic hit. There have been a lot of, of different uh, protocol in place. Uh, it's changed throughout the year. There's definitely moments where we could have done pretty dang close to, to what we aim to do with our normal program, but other moments that 
it wouldn't have been anything like what we're trying to create at Futbolistas. Um, so for example, I can't imagine um, enrolling our girls in a program where everyone's got to be masked socially distanced and we can't share materials. Uh, so one, I mean, I mean, we're already doing practices in, in most girls' second language in English. That's really tough when a mask is involved and you can't see a mouth move. Um, two, so Socially distanced is not how we like to do things at Fupali says we are a big, loving environment, supportive environment. We high five, we hug, you know, and, and not being able to do that would just take so much away. I think of that close knit community we have and then, you know, not sharing material and whatnot. Again, we're not training these girls on hardcore technique. That's not what we aim to do. We're, we're doing interactive drills. You know, we definitely review passing, shooting, positioning, dribbling, all of the, the kind of basic things in, in football. Absolutely. We touch on, but our goal is not to like get those skills to the best place they can possibly be. So, you know, having each girl have their own ball, not really being able to interact as such a new organization. Um, it was a tough decision and I have battled and, and kind of fought myself back and forth all year about whether it's been the right one. Um, but we made the decision to not get out on the field for this school year because we didn't want to do harm to the brand. You know, we're very new. We are trying to do something very different with how we run our practices, who's involved, so on and so forth. Um, and so we committed to working our tails off off the field in this off season to make sure that we are ready for uh, not just full return, but um, we have very aggressive um, objectives for how many girls we hope to involve, how many sites we hope to offer the program, how many days of the week we hope to offer the program. Um, and it's been a difficult period being paused. I mean, we've shared some virtual activities with our girls, but obviously I know they're dying to get back out on the field. And that's been really hard to sit with. Um, but I'm a hundred percent confident that the work we've done off the field since, um, is positioning us to give them a much better experience than they ever would have had, had we tried to kind of rush things and piece things together amidst the global pandemic. Um, so we are um, kind of short-term goals. We're in the process of, of finalizing quite a few partnerships. Um, one that I definitely can't talk about yet, but I will update you guys when I can. That, that will mean really, really, really big things for us. Um, but another one that I'm equally as excited about. Um, so we'll be partnering with really kind of three organizations this summer. Um, so Women in Soccer, um, which is an amazing community and platform I know you guys are familiar with for, you know, women who want to stay involved in football and whatnot. Um, so we'll be um, working with an intern through Women in Soccer this summer to help work alongside me on, on refining our curriculum. We want to break it down a little bit more by age group. Instead of grouping all girls from five to 12 together, we want to go ahead and break that down into smaller age groups so we can deliver more age-appropriate content. Um, and then in collaboration with um, we coach who we'll be working with to kind of redefine our theory of change, you know, everything from the mission to individual objectives we hope to achieve and a strategy for measuring our impact moving forward. Um, and then we're also going to be working with coaches across continent, another amazing organization um, to really help us, you know, set things up for the school year ahead. Like we initially ran 10 week seasons and we're going to go all in and, and offer the programming for the entire school year and coaches across contents continents is going to help us prepare not just the curriculum, but also our coaches um, for that school year ahead. So really excited about that. Um, along with that, as I hinted at earlier, um, now that we'll have more folks involved in the program, we'll be offering, you know, more activities and events and whatnot. Um, we also have some, some exciting goals around bringing this program to some of the more marginalized neighborhoods in Sevilla. Um, actually of the 15 poorest neighborhoods in, in Spain, um, six of those are in Sevilla. And so there is a lot, a lot of opportunity um, to reach some of the, the low income neighborhoods and, and offer this programming for free that could help to, to really change lives and give a lot more girls opportunities that they may never see on the football field. And, and also just kind of in general, right. With their development as, as people. <laughs> um, so those are kind of our short-term goals. Um, but I will note that I have a maybe overly ambitious, maybe not long-term dream for footballistas, um, which I hope we can achieve maybe in the next three to five years, uh, which would be actually to, to open up the age group. 
So expand it to include uh, girls 13 to 18. And my goal with that programming would be uh, to be more focused on the career development. So I know I mentioned my dream is, you know, they are professionals outside of, of the soccer world. And that's certainly what I hope um, that element of the program is focused on more shadowing our mentors, learning from, you know, what they do, visiting their workplaces, maybe getting internships through um, those mentors in their companies. So um, I would love, love, love to to have kind of that second element where the girls are still involved, they can help actually as coaches for the younger girls, um, but that, you know, we're providing continued programming basically until they're ready for university. So hopefully they have a clearer idea of, of what they want to study. And it's not like me where I'm like, oh, <laughs> what should I go into? Um, hopefully they will have had some some more exposure to different careers and, and specifically to, to female role models in those career paths to, to make a decision when it comes time for, you know, what they want to study in university. Well, I, I really hope I don't sound cliche while saying this, but uh, probably I will. But, um, but for now, uh, since we are stopping our lives in a bit, I think we need those ambitious dreams because maybe until we got this uh, off time from the streets and we had to return to our houses and and think about the projects we were doing. This is when we actually understood, okay, maybe I am doing the right thing, or maybe I just need to switch and try and contribute in some other way to to the path to the path that I'm uh, delivering right now. So I think we can stay talking about footballistas because there are many ways we can see this uh, as a project involving in contributing to many challenges, if not only in Spain but most of the things that you're tackling, we all have them. And we, we need more projects like this in our territories, but actually other uh, talking about going further from this project specifically, some of the things that we like to discuss here in Tugos podcast are related to building skills for future talent who are interested in enjoying, in enrolling in, in the football industry. So since you have worked in different companies and different sectors and in projects with multidisciplinary perspectives, could you please advise to our audiences how to successfully adapt to diverse working environments? Yes, and not just how to adapt, but how to how to seek diverse working environments. Um, diversity is powerful. Diversity breeds creativity, it breeds productivity, um, it breeds innovation, and, and probably most importantly, it breeds empathy. Um, and so I am very fortunate to have grown up in a, a very diverse neighborhood. I actually remember that the essay I had to write to get into Virginia Tech was an essay on diversity, and it couldn't have been easier. I think my opening line referenced the fact that there were 34 maternal languages spoken at my high school. Um, and so I have always been blessed to learn from other cultures um, and, and appreciate that diversity. And so I think to start, um, I would encourage anyone who's not already in a diverse community to to find one to be a part of, to learn from. Um, and that can be in many different ways, right? Go, um, you know, volunteer at an organization on the other side of town, attend cultural events and, and fairs where you can learn about other countries and cultures, um, study abroad. I mean, my first time ever using my passport was when I went to Spain in 2010. Um, it overlapped with Spain winning the World Cup. It was like the most amazing experience I've ever had. And, and obviously it's now led to, to what I hope is a lifetime living in, in Spain. Um, and so I, I think it's really important for um, everyone to expose themselves to diverse communities. Um, it, there's a lot of science behind the fact that diverse teams are more productive, more creative, uh, more supportive, empathetic. So um, yeah, get involved as much as you can um, with diverse communities, be open-minded, uh, be ready to learn, uh, be ready to accept the fact that how you think things are might not actually be how things are everywhere for everyone. Um, and specifically for folks who want to go into to anything related to, you know, sport for social change, um, understanding the, the impact that sport can have on many different types of communities, whether we're talking, obviously my pro project focuses mostly on gender equality, but I mean, you can also talk about how sports can, can work toward bridging um, 
uh, creating a bridge between um, you know, folks with disabilities. There's all sorts of ways nowadays that we can get creative and make sure those individuals feel included in the game. There's ways to engage refugee populations, homeless populations that are just beyond powerful. And I think uh, until you learn from the perspective of individuals sitting in kind of other um, you know, privileged or less privileged situations, um, you, you don't really appreciate the full picture of how much sport can achieve. Um, so yeah, that's definitely my advice. Go out there, meet people who are different from you, um, be genuinely curious about their experience, open-minded and, and ready to help should you feel a calling toward the social sector like I do. <laughs> Perfect. Amen to that. I have to say that because this is actually something that me and Maria, we talked about a lot. And, and we use an, another expression that we need to, to think always outside of the box and be outside of the box ourselves. And only with that, we can look uh, up to everything in a, in a different way. And we studied abroad. I have to say, abroad. I live in Switzerland, but I, I am from Portugal. So I studied abroad too. And Maria too. And I think it was because of that that we met. It was because of that that we create this. And probably this will be a, pl a platform for everybody. We hope so. That's why that uh, we always say that the diversity, inclusion, and equality should be inherent in, in ourselves uh, since a young age. So for me, it's a shame to be um, fighting for this <laughs> uh, today because it should be already inherent, but we, we don't have the society that we want. So we need to to keep fighting. But sometimes working with, with this gives us, or we can achieve some awards. And this was what you did. <laughs> we did it, unfortunately, no. I'm kidding right now, but in your case, it was true. <laughs> so you were named the Andalusian Businesswoman of the Year in 2020 for the entrepreneurial project category with Futbolistas. And receiving awards can generate different feelings depending on the person who is receiving it we know that so in your case how did you feel being awarded and how relevant are these recognitions for women to gain visibility within working environments yeah well first i think two goals is well on its way to winning some awards so so keep at it <laughs> um but yeah i mean that award has been probably the biggest surprise of uh, my life during the pandemic. Um, you know, program full on pause, essentially, minus some virtual activities and and yet received this, this very big honor. Um, I still kind of can't believe it happened, um, but just feel, feel very blessed to have, um, you know, been nominated and then ultimately um, awarded the recognition. Um, and I think it's hugely important. So um, this is from the Federation of Andalusian uh, Female Business Owners. I'm like trying to translate their name in my head here. And that organization in general is just hugely important. I mean, it's business owners, entrepreneurs and business owners who are women who come together and meet and attend networking events and, um, you know, have learning sessions and whatnot. Um, similar to like the platform that Leadership Women Football is setting up, right, with their academy and all sorts of courses to be a part of and, and other women to connect with. Um, women in Soccer has a similar um you know, arena that they, they've created, um, hugely important, um, especially for entrepreneurs. Like, I can't even explain how unprepared, I guess, I was for entrepreneurship. I mean, I just don't think you can ever really be prepared for it. Um, but I don't know that I would have known that had I not had a network of women who were there kind of supporting me, you know, when things are very roller coastery, which entrepreneurial entrepreneurial journeys always are um it was so so helpful to have women um kind of telling me this is normal like you got this hang with it um and i think for me winning that award was kind of a way to show other business owners right but also our girls who are are living very different difficult uh moments in their lives where they're not able to socialize normal or get out and play normal, you know, everything has changed so much during this pandemic. And I think it was a, an incredibly uh, powerful platform to be able to kind of share my experience and share my stories of, of perseverance. Um, I've always been uh, a very 
organized type A person. Like I love to like study and prepare for things. And so entrepreneurship doesn't let you do that. (laughs) And so that's been um, very interesting. uh, And I've learned so much through it. And I think specifically for women, it's challenging because um, there's a TED talk and and I believe she has a book also, um, Reshma Sojani, I think, I believe is how you pronounce it. She's the founder of Girls Who Code. And um, she gave a speech that impacted me a lot um, that I remember seeing for TED around how we we need to work on raising our girls to be brave and not perfect. Um, Society kind of, you know, teaches girls, we've got to like do the right thing and be quaint and be polite and be, you know, all the things that society is telling us to be. Whereas boys just get to like run wild and and be brave and take risks. Um, and, and that has definitely, I think, created um, professional barriers for women too, that, that we ourselves kind of inflict on ourselves. There's lots of studies also around, you know, women who will see a job description and we've got nine out of 10 of the skills they require, but we're like, mm, not sure I'm going to go for that. I, I, you know, I don't meet the qualifications. Whereas like a man will see the same job application or job posting, maybe have four of the 10 bullet points and like dives right in and applies. Right. Um, and so I think it's important to be working on, um, you know, how we can, Um, encourage others to be brave and take leaps and jump into the entrepreneurial journey, for example. Um, But I think it also builds back to the fact that where did I first learn that skill? Where did I first learn to be brave? It was on the soccer field. You know, it was playing football. It was maybe missing a PK in a big tournament one year. And then the next year I take the final penalty kick and win it for the team. Like it's those types of experiences that teach you to, to stick with things, to take risks, to, to put yourself out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that award was just a great opportunity to talk about perseverance, taking risks um, and going after your dreams, both for the community in general and for our girls. Definitely. They watch the speech. They're so cute. <laughs> Brittany, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of this interview, but you just, you, you make the perfect connection for our last question, the, the way that we wanted to end this, this episode, which is that I think there is a problem for people that they, they have always felt that female empowerment and struggling towards equality, they felt that this is, also, that this is only related to sentiments, maybe to passion. But this is also based in facts. And in this case, you already mentioned, for example, the importance of girls uh, who code. And this is a project who has been, for example, I know they, they have been present in Colombia and they do have um, ways to monitor and evaluate the impact of having girls working in STEAM careers. And in your case, you have quoted many times, I, have, I've, I did the research, you have quoted in a specific study called Women Plus Sports, equals executive success who was who was built by ESPNW and Ernest and Young and I would like your thoughts on this what kind of in, insights did you could you please bring for this results and from your experience as well how do you feel about this connection is this real do you think that sports are really important for professional success in the case for women Yes, uh, there are lots of studies that prove this, but the one that you mentioned, the ESPNW and Ernst and Young one, I think is just a fantastic example of it. Um, to start, it was, it's a global study, so they surveyed over 400 global women in um, powers in positions, excuse me, of leadership, um, and 94% of those women had played sports growing up. I mean, there is such a direct correlation there that's undeniable. There's all sorts of other studies that can back up those facts. Um, And so, yeah, to me, it's undeniable. And it's um, now become my life mission to make sure that in Spain, like it's very clear within the community that 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 is true, um, that there are opportunities for more girls to get involved with sports. Um, Just like I I mentioned on on the last um, question that you guys had, 
I mean, the entrepreneurial journey and, and thinking about doing something that I, you know, I didn't have prior training in even a startup. I hadn't worked in, you know, an entrepreneurial environment, um, especially in the beginning stages before. And, and there was a huge learning curve. There still is. Oh my goodness. I learned, I learned something every day with Fupalistas. Um, and I think that, I, I know that I would not have had um, the confidence um, and grit to go head first, you know, dive into to this journey, let alone in a foreign country and my second language for the most part, like just that is such an uphill battle. And I just don't think that I would have been able to achieve that had I not you know, my whole life been fighting out on the football field and, and trying to, you know, win games, support my teammates, um, you know. So so I think there's an undeniable correlation. Um, there's, again, many studies you can look at. Um, and I think the longer that you play sports is kind of the second half of that study where over 50% of women in the, the C-suite position, so your executive positions, um, played competitively at the university level. And so I think that's another really important topic when we talk about getting girls in sports. It's also keeping girls in sports. Um, so like the Women's Sports Foundation, that's now kind of their number one mission because there is such um, a, a rate of, of girls dropping out of sports once they hit adolescence. Um, and so hence the goal for footballistas to include, you know, older girls as well in the program and still have them involved in football, maybe not as heavily, but keep it in their lives because it, it really does just set all girls, all women up for, you know, having more confidence, communicating better, um, being more comfortable working with team members, sometimes that can be quite difficult, um, you know. Uh, so I think that there's um, an undeniable case to be made in terms of play sports when you're younger, you will be better prepared for whatever professional career you're going after. Um, and so we're certainly trying to contribute our, our little um, grain of, of sand. I actually don't know if that's only a saying in Spanish and if I just made it up in English, but um, happy to, to be able to contribute a little bit to that um, and hope that, you know, there's already a ton of organizations that do similar things um, worldwide. And I hope to just see more and more organizations using sport for social change, especially when it comes to gender equality. Well, first of all, um... This is the good part about diversity. This is good that we, we have a Portuguese here, a Spanish speaker and a, and a native uh, English speaker. So we can, if, if this say was not in English, we, we should definitely create this and implement it in, in our dialogues. <laughs> but Brittany, thank you so much for connecting us with your passion. Thank you for helping us remember the importance of using football as a tool for girls and women to achieve goals to develop a sense of responsibility towards global challenges, to understand the importance of diversity and inclusion to success professionally, and definitely to seek a purpose-driven career for them to take their, their future in their hands and build something out of it. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I, I appreciate the platform. Thanks for helping give visibility to, to Fupalisas and to so many other incredible organizations and, and women doing amazing things in the football space. So I wish you guys the best of luck with two goals. I'm sure awards are coming. Keep, keep up with it. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed, definitely. And for our audiences, thank you so much for following us in all our platforms, for sharing our content and acknowledging our messages. Remember, our account is Two Goals Podcast. We are present on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and recently on LinkedIn. So please, you have plenty of places to give us some love and, and to discuss with us all of these important topics. Stay tuned for more and have a lovely rest of the week. Bye.